Hello and welcome back to the Back of a Band podcast. I'm your host, Charlie Walden. And before I get into today's preview of this episode, I would like to say we are sponsored by Darnley Francis this episode. Darnley creates video effects, video editing, Photoshop, a great editor, so check him out on Twitter, Instagram and Facebook. In today's episode, we have Signal One Radio's morning radio presenter, Elliot Holman. Elliot's an absolute gen. It was an absolute honour meeting him. There's some great stories in here about meeting One Direction, meeting Sigala and I Ibiza for an interview, being friends with some of these celebrities, some cool stories, what it's like coming up as a breakfast presenter, and also a big show of his and a very good show for any MLS fans out there, MLS UK show and how that came about and how that grew to be as big as it is. And also, why he's been at Signal One Radio for so long, he's been there for, I think, nearly 10 years now, so there's some great stories in there, do not miss this one. Elliot, thanks again, mate. It was an absolute honour to have you on. Uh, enjoy the podcast and send feedback. It's not in your face. It's not a big production. It's just it's just such a beautiful song. But yeah. is that genuine? Would you would you love to actually go back to like giving all this up? Back, welcome back to Back in the Bank. I'm your host Charlie Walden. Of course, I'm host Joe McLean. I'm joined by a special guest today, a breakfast presenter at Signal One Radio, Elliot Holman. Elliot, thank you for joining me. No worries, thanks for having me. Appreciate it. Um, so, first question I want to know is, uh, how did you get into radio? <laughs> um, yeah, I've been asked this question many times and the answer doesn't get any shorter, so uh, I apologise, but um, I was just always obsessed with uh, with music as a kid and uh, I spent all my pocket money on CDs. Um, I remember like we'd go, go on a shopping trip into town and on the way back, I'd ask if we could drive past the radio station and you can't see anything. It's the most pointless thing ever. You can't see a thing. It's just a building. But um, I was just obsessed with sort of being there and, and listening and knowing that it was coming from there. And I don't know where it came from. No one in my family has any history of it whatsoever. But um, I just always kind of had this, had this obsession. So as soon as I was old enough, I was applying for work experience and internships, etc. Um, and, and obviously was lucky enough to, to start uh, in my hometown of Norwich. Um, and uh, I worked at a, a radio station called Radio Broadland, which became Heart. And uh, from then on, the moment I was in the door, that was it. I knew there was nothing else I wanted to do ever. But, um, these people just got paid to mess around all day. It was great. <laughs> What, what age was it like you actually started like applying for internships and obviously apprenticeships and stuff? Um, so well, when I was in sixth form, um, so sort of like 18, uh, I did media at sixth form and they kind of had this little collaboration going with a community radio station, um, really, really small scale, um, kind of like hospital radio. And essentially I uh, just went into the show um, and I won a competition to do a show on this radio station and I never want to hear it. I'm sure there's a copy of it somewhere and it must just be awful. Um, I remember it so clearly though, because I got to take my own music. I got to pick my own music and I turned up with it on CD and uh, halfway through the song, the, the first song, one of the like producers, I was, I was shaking like a leaf. One of the producers said, I presume there's no swearing in this. And then I went, oh, there is. There's a lot of swearing in this. And I had to like live edit it. I was pulling the faders down at the right moments on the, on the songs. And uh, these guys are looking at me like, what are you doing? If you get one wrong, we're off air. Like we're getting fined a lot. Um, so I always remember the, <laughs> the pressure of it. That must um, have been traumatic. Yeah. After, 
<laughs> just a bit yeah um and after that uh i think i knew then that I, I, as soon as i did it i knew i wanted to to do more and i applied for a media course at uni um specializing in radio and i think that then allowed me to apply for internships they could see i was taking it seriously because because i was doing it at uni but please don't ever think that you have to have a degree to work in radio because it's not true <laughs> my boss will had probably has no idea that that I have a degree in in radio it's completely irrelevant because of course it's about how good you are so um, yeah, I don't sure. want to put that across at all that you have to that you have to be qualified in any way what was it about it um that really gave you that was it that sort of the rush of on air like talking and discussing music what was it about that sort of radio thing for you where you thought this is what I want to do forever this is what I love to do yeah it's the live element of it I think um I've got a lot of friends when I did my media course a lot of my friends it was split in half so a lot did tv um and a producer that I went on to work with and still continue to work with now um did a tv course as well as radio and I don't know it was kind of it was all pre-recorded and there didn't seem any pressure they'd mess up and like do it again and um of course it's still really difficult um, doing stuff to camera it is never easy um, but in the, the actual bug of the, the live uh, buzz really, really got me. I think that's what it is. And I spent a couple of weeks working at um, Radio Broadland in Norwich and I just saw that um, I sat next to the newsreader and she had 58 minutes of preparing. But then, and then it was chilled and she was laughing and joking. And, but then if she went in the news booth and got it wrong on that live bulletin, like it was, it was all over, you know, so um i just i love that and um but i always wanted to present always always wanted to present but um opportunities even 10 years ago 12 years ago were were so scarce unfortunately it's even worse now um as i'm sure you're aware so um yeah fortunate that that i got in when i did i think <laughs> have you always been confident in a um, radio presenting confidence definitely comes from experience uh probably the same with anything i'm sure um i would we call it mileage behind the mic i think the more the more mileage you've got the more experience you have i go to work every morning I, honestly on my life i don't feel a single bit of, of nerves whatsoever because um I, i've done it i don't know how many times i've done it now you know hundreds thousands of times and so it just it's just a routine i'd probably think more about driving my car on the way into work than actually driving the desk once I'm, once I'm there. Just, it's just something that, that happens and, and you have to feel comfortable and relaxed and natural. Um, but yeah, I, I, think, I think there's definitely kind of an element of nerves when you first start. You just have to ride it out. Um, I've done shows where you can literally hear the tremor in my voice, but it doesn't do you any good. It doesn't do the listeners any good. You, it's just that experience. There's no substitute for it, unfortunately. There's no fast track. It's it's volunteering. It's doing internships. It's doing podcasts. It's doing, you know, there's so much. Obviously, I sound so old. There's so much more opportunity now with podcasts and things like that. Um, even just going live on Instagram, that would petrify me. Yeah, I'd do a radio show to a quarter of a million people. I don't, I don't know. <laughs> um, but yeah, it's it's strange. It's just what you get used to, isn't it? Yeah. I feel like any type of journalism, you get nervous, whether that be broadcasting, interviewing, I feel you're always going to have that bit of nerves no matter what. 
Yeah, sure. I think that the the time I've been actually nervous, like, is when we I worked on a show in the evenings a couple of years ago. Um, I did it for five years, and um, uh, it was a network show. It was broadcast across uh, loads of local radio stations across the whole country. And the um, the benefit of doing this show that was networked and it was on all these stations is that you could get great guests because um, people who were trying to get these artists on on radio only had to bring them to one show and then it got them across the whole country. Um, so we had some amazing guests and um, you could wheel in Bruno Mars and I I'd be fine. But when it was a an artist that I loved growing up that was still knocking around, someone stupid like Busted or, you know, uh, Blue came in once and I was, I was an absolute mess. But I think because, you know, I'd grown up listening to this music and that's what I wanted to play on the radio. And then all of a sudden they were here that's the only time that I've been really, really nervous. Um, and no matter how confident you are and relaxed you are in that studio that you've used a hundred times, uh, when some of your heroes, I mean, I wouldn't say busted on my heroes, but uh, you know what I mean? When somebody look up to uh, you've got a lot of respect for is itself. It's, it's very different, yeah. Um, you mentioned earlier as well with sort of experience and volunteer work. Um, do you think how important do you think that is coming up as an aspiring maybe just radio presenter or even like journalist or something like that to get that work experience and volunteer work and to show a passion for the subject? I, I'm always really willing to to help people. We've had um, I've been at Signal One for seven years and, and we've had numerous people come in and, and do work experience because I always want to give back. Someone helped me and, and I always want to help them. If I can speak really honestly and really frankly so many people these days don't want to do the work they're not interested i've had people in for a day and i've i'm i wouldn't say boo to a goose and i hate awkward situations and stuff but i've had to just be cutthroat and say i'm sorry but like either you know let's really be invested in this and and work there's so many people that want to be where you are right now and, and you're wasting it like um so many people just don't don't want to do the work that you know they they're not getting paid and I know it's rubbish because I did it for four five six years not getting paid I had to have three or four jobs but all I wanted to do was sit in that studio and not get paid you know um I think there is definitely opportunity for people who who really want to work hard and um my biggest biggest advice is having seen it um day to day is really be that one that will work hard will will push will will do anything because Everyone I know who works in radio had to do that. I don't know anyone who who just sort of stumbled upon it. Um, aside from you know some celebrities who are being paid fortune to to do a radio show, anyone who's grown up really wanting to do it has had to go through that really hard work. And unfortunately, there is no shortcut. Um, so you know it's it's quite it's quite frank. It's quite to the point. But that work's got to be done, and you have to impress someone. Otherwise, you're just always going to be be the outsider, and I think a lot of people maybe haven't been told that, and that's why I feel really strongly about, you know, however it makes me sound, you have to be real and you have to be honest. That's the situation. It comes with with so so much hard work, and and so much drive. Um, somebody that I worked with last year is um, stood out from the crowd by a mile because they wanted to come in and do absolutely anything okay anything at all now their expectations were down here luckily we were able to say well actually we're going to get you to do 
this stuff and really cool stuff and um, edit this for me and can you light up this guest and, and whatever. Um, they're now uh, next week about to start a national radio show really? on a well, the biggest radio station in the UK, let me say, <laughs> um, without naming it. And uh, I, I couldn't be proud. Like, I feel so proud. And it's just because they came in and did that, did that work and they just stood out a mile. And you, can all, you always want to help people who do that. And um, I wish them all the luck in the world because that's, that's a better gig than I'm ever going to get. And I just, they, I, I feel so proud <laughs> that they've just gone and smashed it. It's sort of would like, you say, would you say that you need more experience? The more experience you get when you're younger, it helps you further down the line. I think if somebody came to me uh, recently, somebody, uh, they won't mind me saying, in their 40s came to me um, via Instagram and they said, I listen to your show every morning. You two sound like you're just having so much fun. How do I get involved? Like, I, I, I want to do this. And I'll treat them exactly the same as someone who's young with no experience or young with loads of experience. It's about wanting to learn. And if you can walk into our radio station and you've got loads of experience, great. Like we'll, we'll, we'll utilize that and um, we'll kind of just gauge, gauge where you're at. Um, but yeah, if, if you've never, if you just got an interest for it, just got a passion for it, as long as you're willing to work, people will, will want to help you. And um, you know, there was a time where I had absolutely no experience and someone took a chance on me. So always gain as much experience as you can, but certainly don't let it put you off if, if you don't have any. I always found that people wanted to know what experience I had. And I almost feel like replying, well, I don't have experience. I'm wanting to learn it from you. I, I'm wanting that experience from you. That's why I'm applying. And they'd be like, no, sorry, you don't have enough experience. Um, and I'd like to think that now there's a generation of, of people like myself and, and my colleagues and, and friends in the industry, because we've all gone through that. I think we kind of understand a bit more. And I'd like to think, I can't speak for them. I'd like to think that they would really, um, really try and, and help everybody out and do the same. It's sort of like a lot of things when you're on work experience, like not just being accepting to just make a couple of copies and teas, like you just like a lot of things asking for like, can I practice a bulletin read or something like that, that make that like, sort of a standout yeah. sort of thing, isn't it? Of course. Um, so the person in question that, that, that I was telling you about um, gone on to, to now start this huge, huge show, National Radio. They came in last year and yeah, I'll, can I get you a tea or coffee? No, because you're not going to learn anything from that. If you can make a cup of tea, great. I, I, it just doesn't matter. I can go make my own. Go make my own tea. Let's talk about how we can get you on the radio, or you know, always, always be, always be willing to to really raise the bar. And hey, if they if they make you make tea, go make tea. But you know, let's not let's not drive away from the radio station in the evening and be like, oh, all I did was make tea today. Let's ask questions, be, be keen, be confident. Um, I suppose there's a fine line between getting in the way and being annoying while, while someone's trying to do a show, but you know, it's, it's easy to find the, find the balance. Um, but on day, I think on day two of um, the, this person's work experience, we had them in the studio opposite me. So I was on air doing my show. They'd help me do a little bit of prep for it, but I, I can do my show by myself because I have to do it by myself you know, every day before I join the breakfast show, I, they're not, they're not helping by sitting there. I got them in the studio and I got them working and, and doing stuff and creating and 
Um, we had listen back sessions from things that they they did and created and from that was from day two and there was still you know another eight days left uh, um, of them working with us so yeah I'm always really keen to just find people's level and then help them you know break that that glass ceiling because making a tea is great but you know you could go and do that at home really couldn't you <laughs> Oh yeah, for sure, for sure. And um, just uh, on your when you do doing work experience and stuff, when you was obviously starting your volunteer bits, what's some of the best piece of advice you received from people you were working with and stuff, and people you were learning off and shadowing? I think it's really important to make mistakes. Um, I've never told this story in public before, but I when I was on, I think it was actually when I was on an internship, so not not my work experience, but. Um, work experience I did five days um, just got my head down and I and I, honestly I worked really hard I, I, I didn't have a, uh, two pennies to rub together but I bought a whole new wardrobe I went in looking smart um, I just did everything I possibly could to to make a good impression but um, when I started my internship um, again it, it was at Hart in, in Norwich in East Anglia and I worked on the breakfast show now the two presenters it's, it's not there anymore sadly but the two presenters doing the breakfast show I'd listened to my whole life. They'd been doing it longer than I'd been alive. Okay, so I'd grown up listening to them. Just being in the studio with them was unbelievable for me. And I was all of a sudden um, assistant producer on, on their show, effectively. And um, during a link, they were chatting and one of them said, oh, what's, what is that? What, what is that from? Or something like that. So I, being really proactive, I flicked over my laptop and I was going to look it up for them so that they could get the reaction like right there live on the radio. And as I flicked my laptop open, I knocked a pint glass of water and it went all into the radio desk, um, which to explain was built into the desk. So there was nothing to sort of stop the water. If you know what I mean? It, it literally just sunk into the, uh, into the faders, into all the buttons and the radio station went off air. Oh, so wow. that, that wasn't a good one. <laughs> what was the reaction to if that? I got severely, severely reprimanded. And it was really important for me because I learned, I learned a valuable lesson. Um, and, I, and I think that's really important. Um, it wasn't funny at the time. And oh, yeah. I struggle to laugh at it now, to be honest. The engineer was in there um, with a hairdryer blowing all the um, wires, trying to... Uh, trying to get that to work again but you know I'm not saying do that but you know make a mistake and you never do it again especially when it's live on the radio or um you know or whether it has an impact on something you're, you're never gonna you're never gonna do it again that's never gonna it's never gonna affect you again because you're never gonna be that stupid again <laughs> well that sounds definitely never going near a drink again is it <laughs> Exactly. And I never like whenever anyone comes in the studio, I always say, if you could just uh, leave your drink just outside, that would be great. <laughs> and they go, well, I'll, I'll be really careful. And I'm like, I thought that once. <laughs> <laughs> Fair enough. What would you uh, say was the biggest like, sort of turning point or pivotal moment in your career to get you in the journey so far? Yeah, after that, um, after that internship, I started to work on the street team. And again, it all harked back to just doing it, anything that you can, anything that comes up. And that was, I suppose, my first paid work. Um, I turned up to a radio station and they said, right, today you're going to be driving to whatever in the heart car. Again, I thought it was great. I was driving a branded radio station car, I was getting paid for it. 
not a lot, but it, it was still cool. Um, and I went to events or um, uh, went to deliver prizes to listeners or anything that needed doing. Um, and while I was doing that, uh, that was working for, for Global Radio, who basically own half of the radio in, in the UK. Um, and the other company, Bauer, um, they had a station called The Hits Radio, which I started to work at and uh, did a couple of demos. And I did shows in the middle of the night. Um, thank goodness, because they were so bad. Uh, no one never needed to hear them. Um, and I think that was the real turning point is uh, I went from making tea and, and driving the cars and doing events to actually making radio, getting paid for it. And um, the real turning point, which which you mentioned, would would be when I was kind of spotted on on the hits radio, and I was offered a full time permanent gig in the evenings doing doing the show that I mentioned earlier, um, network radio show across the whole country. I could not believe it. Got the call on my birthday uh, of all days, and uh, Terry Underhill, who was the group program director for um, a group of stations across the whole of the UK, called me and he said, I've heard you, I think you're great. Um, we'd like to offer you um, this evening show. When can you move up here? And, and, and that was it. And that, it was based at Signal One. I'm still there now. I've done different shows, but uh, I'm still there now. And um, I, I always, I think that's, that's the moment. That, that was the pivotal moment. And it just comes from all that hard work, uh, years of it. And as I said before, there's, there's rarely a substitute for that. But that feeling is amazing when it finally comes. Oh yeah, for sure. What was it? It's hard go work go enough. Go. Yeah, hard work. Sorry, guys. So like hard work pays off, sort of thing, isn't it? You put all your dedication to. You don't know the interns, the work experience, different places. Always mucked in with it, even without the graveyard, as they said, the graveyard show. You did that. Hard work pays off. And I think it's when when it's to do it more and more because you want to get better at it and you want to do it the rest of your life. Yeah, the moment that you're getting paid, um, what I would describe as a, as a good wage for it, and you're on, you know, I was suddenly doing this show across the whole country. Um, it was on The Wave in Wales. Uh, it's on Peak FM in Derbyshire. It was on Signal One across the whole country. And, and I sat there and I just took it all in on my first night and thought, people are actually listening to this like I need to be doing the best job I possibly can and I never uh there's no right or wrong way if you want to rock up five minutes before your show and it's going to be amazing great um I honestly spent or ask ask anybody at Signal One it drove them mad I would be in there in the morning and I'd spend all morning there all afternoon all evening prepping doing interviews whatever and I knew at that moment I think it was kind of like a mental thing I knew that then at, at seven o'clock when I sat down to start my show nothing could really go wrong I had so much prep I had so much content um you know some bits pre-recorded with artists or, or whatever I kind of that's that was that feeling that we talked about earlier just being relaxed um being confident because I I couldn't have prepared anymore and um consistently I was just there all day every day driving people mad but um you know it, it does feel like it does it does make a difference um everyone's different but for me it really made a difference and now I'm on breakfast it's kind of the opposite I have to spend all day sort of prepping but when you wake up it's like right get to work go um very very different <laughs> so your your first like nationwide show went to food to peak FM did it Derbyshire 
Yeah, I did, yeah. So that explains that. I knew I'd heard your voice before. Like, I followed your MLS show and stuff. I knew I'd heard your voice before on the radio, and I wasn't sure if it was a, a different radio show, but now I, I realise it's Peak FM, so... Yeah, I've heard you on the radio a lot yeah. before. Um, yeah, so it was the e- evening show on, on Peak FM, and, and I think 12 other stations um, from, from Liverpool uh, down to Birmingham. And uh, then I randomly did, like, Sunday afternoons and picked up picked up random random gigs here and there um but yeah now now i'm just on just on signal one's look uh local show which is actually first time i've really done it and uh and i absolutely love it what was it sort of like that first like nationwide show what was it what sort of like turned up to that i know it's obviously said well prepared but what was there any like sort of nerves and stuff and he's well prepared and stuff but any like nerves to go on the radio i think i want to listen to people, oh, yeah. people to listen to this yeah no, honestly, so so nervous. Um, knowing that so much, I hadn't signed my contract at that point, so I knew that it was just my opportunity to to impress. Uh, I think I had a couple of weeks, and um, I I saw it. I was looking for a picture the other day, and I and I noticed it. I scrolled right down on my Instagram because I was looking for something, and there's a picture from uh, summer 2014, and that was that week. And there's a picture of me sat there, and it's like a screen that controls all these all these numerous radio stations across the country. And I'm, I just remember sitting there looking at that, going, "Wow!" I speak, and I could see the levels moving, the volume levels moving on all these stations at once. And I was like, "Yeah, this is real now." <laughs> There's a lot of trust, though, in it to put in someone, obviously, to run like a nationwide show. So you must have really felt privileged to have that trust put in your buy station. Yeah, and, and I think, again, it's about knowing, uh, appreciating that. So um, I knew I was ready because I'd done all of this um, volunteering and intern work. And um, don't get me wrong, I, I had a lot to improve on. And when I listen back, it's awful, absolutely awful. But I think um, now, you know, once you sat and sit there and you think, right, well, I've put the work in, so let's let's go and earn this, you know, let's, let's cement this. Um, really obviously eternally grateful someone's always got to give you that first opportunity yeah and, and that's the key i think um that's always gonna gonna happen no matter no matter who you are um chris moyles started at signal one and he would have had his first show at signal one and i know he's very fond of the takeaway next door which is delightful i can confirm uh but yeah there's always that first um first opportunity and it, rightly or wrongly it's sink or swim because maybe you don't get judged on your first show because that would be really harsh but i saw a lot of people leave signal one in in, in my time because you know turnover of bosses managers etc um and if you're not up to scratch if, if the boss spots that you're just turning up and not really not really bothering i learned very quickly there's so many people that want to jump in your seat and you have to just be really on your game 24 seven working really, really hard. Um, and I, I know for a fact, there's no one, there's no one at signal one, uh, now that was there when I, when I started, that's, that's the, wow, the brutal reality of it. Um, and I've been extremely, extremely lucky in, in that. Um, in fact, I'd probably say in 20, 2017, there probably wasn't anybody that there that was working there when I, when I started. Um, and that's not because of, the radio station or the people running it that's just the that's the industry as a whole that's how it works it's fast it it moves um i had to adapt moving from moving from show to show and you know you have to you have to move kind of roll with the punches um 
and you know the likelihood is if if you're not you know keeping it fresh working hard showing how dedicated you are um yeah you 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 rarely make the cut unfortunately but that's what's that that ultimately brings the best outcome for the listeners if if you're too relaxed or you know not bothering phoning it in as we call it then the listeners aren't being entertained either so you know it's best for everyone if you make that change um so yeah i've seen i've seen a lot of changes and it, it will happen to me one day it could happen to me tomorrow i'm okay with that um i just think make sure you have no regrets because if you um if you leave a leave a role whether it's on air off air in any job in any industry um let's leave with no regrets let's not think yeah i probably should have tried a bit harder <laughs> yeah definitely um do it- when you've been analysing your sort of radio shows and looking back on shows and looking at what you did right well, what have you said the biggest critique you've made and adjusted to as your shows have gone on? When I first started, I listened back and I think this is quite natural and this is everybody, whether they work in media or not, when they hear their voice back, they're really amazing. They're like, well, that's not, that's not me. And of course your voice sounds different to everybody else than it does to you. Some people, it takes them 50 years to learn that. Uh, my mum recorded something for me and uh, to put out on the radio as a joke and I played it and she went, what did you do to it? Nothing, that's what that's your voice. That's how we hear your voice. Um, so I think learning to accept that is the, is the first thing. Um, but I, I had, a, I had, I wouldn't say really strong, um, but I did have an accent um, when I first started, um, sort of a, a Norfolk accent and I, I have never gone into work and consciously gone, oh, I need to lose my accent. But um, I think the more I, the more I heard it back, I, d- I don't know whether it was a conscious thing or not, but um, that's definitely gone anyway. <laughs> um, and I think that was the first thing, just working on, working on your voice, sounding confident, like we touched on earlier. I could tell that I was nervous and you have to, um, at the start you're always going to be nervous if you just pretend that you're not <laughs> um, you can hear it in someone's voice straight away so um i think there was a lot of work on my voice um no one no one told me to i think being self-aware is really important um but yeah and, and actually doing different styles so um the evening show that i did was um was very um celeb focused um, music news, gossip, brand new music. Um, Capital is obviously like a, a, a UK wide brand that's easy to draw a comparison with. Um, you know, new music, fast paced, in your face. Um, and then I got put on Sunday afternoons and it was supposed to be like dead chilled and um, kind of like a kind of like a heart radio show for um, adults, adults 35 to you know, 45, for example. Um, it were just, you know, taking the kids in the car to football practice or um, popping to B&Q on the weekends. And it was a completely different vibe. And learning to, um, li- listening back is just so important. As much as you hate it, uh, you have to, to, to kind of um, really gauge where you're at and where you can improve. And we do it every single day, even now. Uh, myself and, and my co-host Matilda, we, we listen back every single day, whether it be just ourselves or, or with a, a boss or a senior figure within the, within the group. And it never gets easy. <laughs> um, sometimes you've done, uh, a, they'll, they choose a time, so you have no control over it. And they'll go, right, we're going to listen to the 10 past eight this morning. 
Now, 10 past eight, supposedly, according to radio figures, is like the peak times when the most people are listening. Kids are in the car on their way to school. Uh, people are on their way to work. Uh, 10 past eight, it's the big crescendo. It's what should be perfect. So if they say, right, we're going to listen to 10 past eight, you're like, yeah, it wasn't great today. <laughs> today. Um, so always, always, you know, important that you plan your show around, around that crescendo moment and also then appreciate that probably going to be listened back to um and everything's performance based you know whether it's your new contract um everything surrounding you is is about those listen backs where you might learn something you might feel great about something um hopefully you're getting more positive feedback than negative that's just all you've got to strive for (laughs) yeah definitely have you um, ever had that one song on the radio whilst you've always had to play and it's kind of got on your nerves? Has that ever happened to you? I've just been having that conversation. So currently, uh, currently it's Blinding Lights by the weekend. <laughs> it was released in November 2019, so it's pre-COVID. And whether uh, I've, I've done three different radio shows since it was released uh, and <laughs> I'm still playing it every day. <laughs> because the audience love it and that's what it's about I, I'm not what I can't argue with it, it doesn't matter what I think what I want to play um it's the best when they do music testing blinding lights by the weekend still the, the most um successful song in music testing and so I will happily hit play on it and think right well people people want to hear this you know um and there's nothing worse than a presenter that thinks he's bigger than the station yeah. and thinks, no, I'm not playing that. I, I know better. Oh, you know better than like the 500 grand we spent on re- music research. Do you, you know, no, no one knows better than, than the research. Um, took me a while to learn that, but um, I work uh, for a station based in Spain called Sugar Radio. It's for English people living out in Spain and I schedule the music for them and I do loads of the, production and now it really winds me up if someone changes a song and they think they know better so I kind of know I know now um, as a presenter that it's not the dumb thing because whoever's put time and effort into their job as scheduling that playlist um, don't annoy them (laughs) don't change the music Um, I I kind of really understand that now Um, it's it's so important we've been to a reporter earlier about it and he was saying it's so important not to make it about yourself isn't it when you're doing some sort of show and sort of thing yeah it's finding the balance so um, myself and Matilda um, will turn up now it sounds extreme but um, the the way that the show works at the minute um, it's completely down to us but some stations will like to they'll like to do a whole hour so they're seven till eight in the morning they might do one topic so they'll be like oh i went to the shop yesterday can you believe i saw this on the shelves they still sell that what's the oldest thing you've seen in the shops call now you know for me that's kind of like an old style old style thing for some stations it still really works they've got that audience maybe it's an older presenter um i'm quite young to be doing a breakfast show um so maybe an older presenter can really make that work if you set it up really well that can really work um we tend to just do um each link in the hour is a completely different thing um have you seen this it's absolutely bonkers the links up on our socials go and check it out um ha 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 i'm hilarious next you know it's like we're just like fast paced move on um 
and it's really important to balance that with things from your life but as you just correctly pointed out Charlie is not about uh making it not all about you uh is there's a, there's a real balance so I think um it's really nice to tell stories from your own life finding that really tough at the minute because you can't do anything yeah. um but luckily um Matilda is currently pregnant we announced it on the show last week and that's given us a whole new topic of things to talk about but yeah no one wants to just hear somebody bang on bang on about themselves there's nothing worse and you know whether that's content music picking your own songs um just just do what you're told (laughs) (laughs) brilliant the next question Elliot is of all the years you've had on the radio and stuff and all the experiences, what would you say is your most favourite moment? Wow. Uh, great question. Um, there's individual moments, I think, where uh, I, there's nothing better than playing like a great, especially when it was me, like playing a great song, knowing it's pumping out on all these stations at once and got it, like, got it turned out loud. I love that. that obviously, that happens quite a lot. Um, I think for me, it was in it was interviewing people and just having an hour, two hours of someone's time out of their day, a huge pop star, A-lister or whatever. Um, but really digging down into uh, having a having a proper chat, not, you know, not what's your favorite biscuit. Um, I, I really I, I love um, some interviews were with really famous people and, and they were great. But sometimes even just um kind of some less less important less famous people i've had great conversations with them and actually become really good friends with as well and it's it, that really surprised me as well and i think the, the the best thing is friends i've made not because they're famous but just because they it's fascinating it's a different life it's a life that will never lead you know um well 99.9 percent of us will never leave um some of the some of the things that that we did for the show, um, we went to Ibiza, and we did a, a show for Ibiza with Sigala um, wow. because I, I went I went to school with him randomly. Uh, it's crazy. Um, so he kind of like he flew us out there, and um, we did we did shows out there, and he was like, "Oh, I'm inviting some friends. You don't know what to expect." We rocked up, and I was like. I knew every single person there, not knew them personally, but I recognized every single person. I was like, these are your friends. Um, and, I, and I think, you know, that's really cool. And if you don't enjoy it and if you don't milk it and you don't post it all over your Instagram, what was all the internships and the work experience for? Do you know what I mean? Um, that's not what my job's like day to day. It's not, it's not glamorous. It's not, um, it's not, you know, that cool. Um, so make, make the most of it, I think. Um, we've certainly had some some really great moments with um, people. Everyone asks who who is the most famous person that you've ever interviewed, and that that again, like most difficult question because everyone's like fame goes up and down all the time. Yeah. But um, we had One Direction on the show, like at their peak, and regardless of your opinion on One Direction, Massive. mine didn't used to be great. I'll be honest with you absolutely insane like Beatles level of fame at the time like absolutely (laughs) like incredible I was put in a taxi um from Euston station in London and taken to a in the dark taken to a tv studio I wasn't allowed my phone I wasn't allowed to know where I was so I went and interviewed them in a location I to this day I don't know where it was 
like <laughs> just so they couldn't leak to the fans where they were. <laughs> like um, they've done interviews on in the, in the middle of the sea so that fans can't get there. They've stayed in hotels on water Jeez. so that they can oh, wow. like Im- imagine <laughs> like actually imagine being that famous. Um, that is cool, and, and so it's not kind of it's not about that it's not about that name drop that I interviewed One Direction it's just it, it just fasc- the whole thing fascinates me uh, it, it really does it's it really such an experience and now I work on The Breakfast Show that, that won't happen you know it, it's just a local radio show and, and I won't be interviewing these people and so it's really nice to look back on yeah, well, that, that is what I was going to ask is who's your most favourite famous person like who you've ever interviewed I think favourite is Craig David, and there's a few reasons. Obviously, he's been around for a long while. Um, when I was a kid, Craig David was already smashing it. Um, but famous or not, I've never met a single person in my life that has made more time for me, that has um, been as nice, been as kind, been as caring. Um, I, I, I don't know what it, the guy, I cannot tell you, is just a legend, the nicest person that you could ever meet. And it became a running joke at work because like my, my boss at the time would be like, oh, Craig Dave, just, I don't know, <laughs> I don't know whether he'd like it with everyone, whether we just hit it off. Like I, I was a big fan anyway. So like, I feel like the interview went great, um, but like genuinely he's the only artist that I will exchange texts with call like he'll send me like instagram messages at christmas or he'll reply to my story that doesn't happen with yeah i'm not saying that it happens all the time because it doesn't but but he's just a very special human being that's just an unbelievably nice guy so down to earth um he's been made an mbe now uh quite rightly and i honestly don't know anybody more more deserving um i've literally i've arrived home from holiday and there's been like a package on the door and he's sent me presents and it's like the guy is just I can't tell you the guy is just a hero um and I met someone once and they were like Craig David Craig David I, he's he's a bit of a you know I went let me, let me just stop you there <laughs> he's a much nicer person than you are <laughs> um so yeah it did honestly become a running joke because um just he was always he was always in work he was always calling work he was always just just couldn't make enough time for you and um the reason that i go on about it is because i actually just think um i wish more people were like that not just celebrities just people in general it's not about how much money he's got he wasn't spending a fortune on things for us but just thought the thought you know and um yeah absolute legend it's definitely amazing when you get people like that it's definitely amazing it's inspirational as well because he he's, he definitely has a lot less free time than all of us um you know even even now yeah, i'm sure he's keeping himself pretty busy and he still finds time in his day to to check up on you to see how you're doing um to go shopping for you to go yeah just top top guy and i wish everyone was like that i've met some shocking celebrities as well that might be your next question but I, you know, um, they, they're the ones that make people like Craig David stand out even more. <laughs> yeah. Oh, I should say name them. What genre are they in? <laughs> uh, would you say what job are they in? What genre sort of? I don't know to name I expect you to name them. Uh, uh, there's, a, there's a ginger pop star. It's not Ed Sheeran. Um, she's female. 
and um, consistently the worst interviews I've ever done. Just a rude, rude person. Um, I'll leave that with you. Yeah, we'll put that for ourselves. Um, just, just on that sort of interview with famous people and stuff, I think it's important not to interview them just because they're famous, just because you want to you want to interview them because you want to know something about them, like you're there to, like, to find out something about them, do you know what I mean? Like, actually, they're actually interested in because they're famous. Yeah, I, I think potentially that's probably why um, some of them have gone really well. So how it works is um, when you're doing these like national shows, um, the record labels employ what we call pluggers and the pluggers, it's the pluggers job to get them booked in on everything and take them around the country. Um, and there's only probably like six or seven pluggers that work across the whole industry. Like they all just get hired to, to do different artists. And I think um, the more you get to know them, the more the better artists you get, like they trust you a bit more. Um, but the first time I got to sit down, for example, with, with Craig David, he, I think he probably just knew that I was a big fan with some of the stuff that I was coming out with. And then you break past that initial barrier and they relax. And yes, they're there to talk about the new single. And I'll always, I always say, look, we're going to play it at the end, so don't stress. Sometimes they try, they're desperate to worm it in and, and promote it. And I'm like, we'll, we'll get to it. Don't worry, <laughs> it's fine. Um, I know that's why you're here. Um, but first, you know, let's, but, you know, I always just try and treat them like a normal person because, because they are. Yeah, we've had, um, yeah, uh, girl bands in, for example, and they've just stepped off the plane from Australia and they're so tired. They just, like honestly I've they won't mind me saying like they just look poorly because they're so tired and they don't want to be doing this interview they're not they're not interested you know <laughs> and so you just have to treat them like a treat them like a human um we've had like uh female pop stars in that I, I I'm like oh hi <laughs> but then they've they've been really they've been really poorly and they've spent 20 minutes in the loo and you're like yeah that is actually a real person they're on my TV every Saturday night, but actually they're a real person. And uh, they clearly had a dodgy curry last night. You know, it's just, it's just about um, relating to them as a, as a person because, um, you know, yes, respect them and, you know, maybe put them on a pedestal a little bit, but they'll tell you great stories if you ask them great questions. And um, they don't want to just answer the same questions all day, every day. Um, Sean Dice, the Burnley manager, famously said this yesterday in the press conference. Um, ask me a stupid, boring question, you get a stupid, boring answer. Um, you know, what was the inspiration behind the song? Another radio station has just asked them that, and the one before, and the one before, and the one before. Um, you know, it's, it's nice to mix it up. And I like to think that we kind of did have as much fun as we could <laughs> in the time that we were doing that show. Has it ever knocked your confidence when a celebrity has been a bit um, like not giving giving much away or not as polite? Yeah, you immediately blame yourself and you feel like you did something wrong. Um, and I've had times where I've looked back and gone, oh, I could have done more research. I asked the wrong question or um, they've said somewhere previously they hate being asked about that or the record label said don't ask about that um you know so sometimes you do blame yourself but um i definitely lost a lot of confidence one of the first interviews i did um on my first day in 2014 i <laughs> again 
it's not about the name dropping, it's just for perspective, okay? So yeah. I met Nicole Scherzinger on my first day wow. in the job. She came in wow. and I interviewed her. And um, I think she was she was kind of coming back with a solo single at the time. The next day, um, probably my worst ever interview happened and really not my confidence. And I kind of look back and I think, I'm glad I dealt with it how I did because I went on to do 200 other interviews on that show. And I'm really glad that I kind of just put it to one side and was like, you know, okay. Um, the record plugger did apologize afterwards. Clearly just a bad day. Um, fine. We, we all have that. Yeah. And probably thought, I don't, I'm never going to meet this person again in my life. So it doesn't matter. Um, you know, and I, I did go on to meet them again and it wasn't much better to be honest, but um, I think, you know, you learn that everyone's different and it's the same in everyday life. Everyone's different. We all get on with different people because we all have different interests and different personalities and you can't hold it against someone, someone too much, but yeah, never let anything uh, knock your confidence. Naturally it does, but um, always go back, but always, you know, try it again because I think otherwise it's just a, it'd just be a massive regret. If the next interview came in and I said, oh, I don't really fancy it, like let yeah. so-and-so do it. I, I would never have gone on to interview Bruno Mars in One Direction and, and all, all the cool stuff. So I think, yeah, it's that, it's that self-belief and, and it comes, like I said, from the first, first moment, it comes from that mileage behind the mic, that experience. And when I started doing interviews, I'd never done one. No one told me how to do them. It's really bizarre looking back. Yeah. yeah. Um, so that, that mileage behind the mic was was going up. Doing my own show, that mileage behind the mic was going up and up and up. But then uh, mileage of doing interviews, I was right back down here again, um, learning, you know, learning from, from scratch. And yeah, just you just learn and you pick up things and tips and tricks to kind of get people relaxed. And um, But yeah, never, never let anything then your confidence so much that you don't go back and try again i think it can be a really nice wake-up call sometimes because yeah. you get really comfortable and you do the same thing over and over and you get good results over and over and then one thing happens and you go wait a minute i've not switched this off in a while i've not put extra effort in in a while and um sometimes you need that wake-up call sometimes celebrities are just not very nice people <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, sometimes you just feel like a sort of a curveball in there. I doubt this has ever happened to you, but as a celebrity, or like, oh, a person, just a general person, like, ever complained about you? Oh, well, I've had complaints. Some some may, may be justified. I don't, I don't think I've had a really bad one where I've gone, oh, I shouldn't have done that. Um, some of them have made me think, and um, to this day, one of them, uh, even, probably even this morning, went through my head. There's, there's some of them that just, just stick with you, and it's a bit of a curve um i i'll just tell the story it's fine i said i said the word uh said the word slagging as in slagging somebody off um yeah. and somebody complained uh, about the use of the word slagging um i think it's still up for debate whether that's bad or not on the radio yeah. I, I haven't been reprimanded either way um but uh that, that still sticks with me every time because it's obviously just a phrase that I one of my go-to yeah. phrases in my head and so every time I go to say it I'm like gonna steer clear of that one so that that was a complaint someone had that's not a serious thing obviously um 
I don't I don't think I've ever severely up, upset anyone. Some people are just out to complain about anything and everything, yeah. and that goes straight over your head. It happens. It happens every week. Um, on Friday, last Friday, we did a um, a bit on the show about the Queen hiring um, someone for social media. Like she's going to have her own social account. We did a little bit of a joke, like, oh, she's going to be doing like, oh, swipe up this boohoo outfit, um, you know, <laughs> discount code, whatever. Um, and obviously, like, I love the Queen. There's no malice towards the Queen. It's just a bit of a laugh. But you know, someone was offended by that, and you have to just accept that. Okay they found that offensive and so I hold my hands up and I'm sorry, but yeah, it's not, it's not about the queen. It's just a little bit of a little bit of a joke, but um, hopefully I don't get in trouble by now repeating that again. Uh, so, sorry if you're offended, um, but yeah, there's different levels of which, you know, people are offended. And if you don't get any complaints at all, I feel like you're being too middle of the road. You're playing it too safe. Yeah, that's brilliant. Um, just for everyone to have a last show. Um, if, you, if I was actually now 14 years old, 14 years old, I want to get to the radio, what's the biggest piece of advice you'd give me? What would it be? Um, for the podcast? Or just getting into radio. Or journalism, maybe you want to. Oh, okay. Um, I, think it's, I think it's that persistence, um, the persistence and, and the hard work, um, doing the the MLS UK show is just a passion project and it's so easy to do something when you're passionate about it. Um, any, you know, any, anyone that started a podcast knows um, it always seems a great idea. Then you do your first couple of episodes. You're like, oh, what should we do on the next one? And it starts to run a bit thin. And then um, the two, second year is where most podcasts fail. And um, the radio is easy. I get paid to turn up and go there. And I think with the podcast, it's a different kettle of fish because it's a passion project and I'm having to make make time for it and create content for it um but ultimately if you're passionate about something whether it's your daily job in media or or any industry or um you know something that you maybe don't get paid for don't make any money out of doing the MLS UK show just great just great fun great great passion project um so it's about that desire it's about the work work ethic and it's um like i say no, no shortcuts just just hard work and and enthusiasm and i think the more the more i do of the mls uk show the more i enjoy it and yeah i don't get paid for it but it soon becomes your favorite because it becomes your baby and i encourage anyone to to create something like that especially in the times we're in at the minute um if you can whatever whatever your passion is people selling paintings on etsy or creating a podcast doing a youtube channel um tiktok which i haven't mastered yet um i i just encourage you to just try stuff and work stuff out i've started loads of businesses and three or four of them i've still got the domain names that i bought and they never really went anywhere but then i found the the, the podcast grew and just trying stuff like there's nothing to lose whatsoever experimenting yeah like literally when you actually think about it what have you got to lose like it's gonna it's gonna take you an hour of your time to really like do some research how you're gonna make it work and it's, yeah, it's a couple of episodes or something on netflix and all of a sudden you've created this thing and um you might surprise yourself with how much you fall in love with it <laughs> Definitely, it's similar sort of situation I've got with like, Spider Media. I started that, it feels like my sort of baby as well. Like, 
done that for three years now, so that's a pretty good. But with the, with the MLS UK show as well, just talk to you about that. How did, that, how did the idea come from, from that and uh, how, how proud you have seen it grow over the years? Well, it stems from the evening radio show that I was doing. I'd finish at 10 o'clock, I'd drive home. So it'd be about 11 o'clock by the time I'd sit down and um, stupidly have my dinner or uh, whatever. And my girlfriend would be upstairs in bed. She's a teacher, so she was getting up at you know seven o'clock every morning. I barely saw her. And I was up, you know, I couldn't just finish my show, drive home and go to bed because it's it's weird. You wouldn't finish your job at like half yeah. five, drive home and go to bed at six. It's just really bizarre. You're wired, you're buzzing from, from doing a show. So I think um, I just, you know, popped the telly on one night and um, there was some MLS uh, on because it's because of the time difference on Sky. And I just started, I just watched it and I was as sceptical, honestly, I was as sceptical as everyone else is. Uh, the Americans haven't got a clue. They don't know what they're doing. Um, the game, you know, the talent's going to be weak. It's a retirement <laughs> league. It's and and that didn't change from watching the first game. That, that, I'll be honest, that didn't didn't change at all. But I still went back because I was intrigued and I was fascinated. And um, when uh, I went on holiday to Florida, and this is where it really started. So Orlando had just got a team in 2015, and so I went to a game. Wow everybody needs to go to an MLS game. Like number one rule of sport. If you go over to America, go to an MLS game, you will not regret it. It's better, a better atmosphere than I've ever experienced anywhere, except maybe like I've seen my, I support Norwich for my sins. I've seen Norwich play at Wembley, um, win, win the playoff final. Okay, that was incredible. But aside from that, it, the atmospheres are unbelievable. Unbelievable. And I just fell in love like that. I love Orlando just as much as I love Norwich, who I've been supporting my whole life and just have that real affinity with them. And I went back and I went back and um, we've now got property over there because I love it so much. It's just like I, I fully head over heels for the, for the place and for the people. Um, followers on, on Twitter, people I've met through through doing it, people in the UK who um, are part of the Orlando City UK fan group just just the best group of people and support network and now best friends that that i've ever you know ever could have wished to to have had and it all just stems from a little game of football that that i went to and um everyone you know everyone thinks what they're interested in is going to be great for everyone and the truth is it's not but um i really think that maybe more people should give it a, a chance um just just in the last week, we've seen three MLS players move over to the to the UK to play in the championship. Two for Swansea, one for Barnsley, and uh, that's their young players that are extremely talented and they're going to be the best. Some of the best players at those clubs. That's that's the bottom line. And you know we need to lose this idea that um, players are just going over there for like Rooney going over there for a paycheck and yeah. to retire because. Um, they soon get found out. Frank Lampard, love him to death, got found out in MLS. He wasn't, he wasn't fit enough anymore. Um, Perlo, same, Thierry same team as Frank Lampard. Yeah, I mean, Thierry did extremely well, but he was maybe a little bit younger, a little bit fitter. Um, Gerard was awful, awful, yeah. and he'll be the first yeah. first to admit it. Um, and, uh, yeah. 
key in the Beckham did okay, didn't they? Open MLS. Latan did really well yeah. as well, but that's Latan. Yeah. So. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Orlando have got Nanny at the minute, and the guy's a machine for his age. Wow, like I'll never be that fit in my life. It's unbelievable. <laughs> um, and yeah, so the the perception's slowly changing, but these players coming over for these short-term loans is, is going to be really key, I think, because um, you know that's they've got a lot to prove, rightly or wrongly. We we don't like American soccer, and so you know it's time for them to, to prove people wrong. You know, I've been converted and there's millions, millions still left uh, to be persuaded. And um, I, I literally just tweeted this out just before we started this conversation because um, some of the Americans were getting disheartened because um, the Barnsley fans, you know, weren't impressed with signing a player from MLS. And there was a lot of derogatory tweets. And I just said, look, it's going to take time. This is what the podcast is all about. It's raising that awareness of, MLS over here so many people are falling in love with it um, as, as a second league picking a second team those teams are never going to play your your team that you love yeah. so much over here so there's no danger in it um, and yeah I, I think there's a lot of work to be done but we're we're certainly on on the right path and it's improved tenfold in in the last few years um, the opinion of MLS over here is changing and um the talent in MLS is is getting a lot a lot better, a lot stronger as well, and uh, definitely on a on a really really good path. And certainly, while people think it's terrible, it's easily championship level. You know, there's there's teams that would that would turn over championship sides. I honestly, I'd love to see it one day. <laughs> Is there no way they can do that? They don't enter the Champions League or anything like that, do they? Like no, because nah, they stay in Europe, is it? So they can't. Yeah, they have a, yeah, That's they have like, um, American CONCACAF Champions League. So um, I don't enjoy that as much, I'll be honest. Um, a lot of the Mexican teams and South yeah. American teams, their leagues have been going on for years and, and they're very strong. And so the MLS sides don't don't have much of a chance. But um, yeah, I'd, I'd like to see more, more of a crossover. I know there's often like teams go over to America for friendlies and stuff, but... Um, I genuinely believe there's some really strong teams that would give championship sides a problem. And actually, some of the teams in the Premier League this year are so bad. I think I'll probably <laughs> include them in that as well. What do you see? Um, I think I think it's the same as American-wise because I only recently got into basketball, and when probably when Europeans go over to America to play basketball, they're probably skeptical of like, oh, these these aren't that good. They shouldn't be playing in this league and that, but. It's the same as the MLS players coming over to England to play. You've just got to give him time. And like one of the basketball players is from Slovenia, and now he's one of the best in NBA. So it's like you've just got to give him time. Yeah, I mean, the, the prime example currently is, is Almiron uh, at Newcastle. Came from Atlanta now. He, he ran that league. He absolutely, you know, his pace on a counter attack. They just, they just sit, yeah, exactly. They'd sit back. And then they just wait for that moment to counter. I mean, he's rapid and fine, Martinez. It was a goal, nine times out of ten goal. And he came to Newcastle, and I was asked to go on a few Newcastle podcasts. And I was like, "You're going to be amazed. You're going to be blown away by this guy." And of course, it just didn't happen. And it, and it took time for him to settle over here. But now, like Steve Bruce has found a position for him. It's really, really working, working for him. Hopefully, um, it'll pay off a little bit more, more for the team. Um, but they've got some serious pace in that in that side, and that that works for him. That full attacking um, 
you know, pace that when the team adopts a counter-attacking style, it really, really works. And it can just take, it can just take time. I don't know how these short-term loans to the championship are going to go. I don't know if they're long enough for them to even have an impact. Um, two of them are playing against my team tomorrow night, so <laughs> we'll find out. Um, but uh, I, look, I look forward to it. But yeah, I think it's, it's just okay. what we're doing is just about raising the, raising the awareness and, and trying to change that perception a little bit. I think um, Americans prefer going over to European teams such as Germany's we've seen with Pulisic and the new Bridget Dortmund player and um, obviously the um, McKinnon, I think, Brat Schalke knows that Juventus prefer yeah. them teams, don't they? And then they'll move on. Yeah, they struggle with work permits, so um, it's difficult. Unless they've played for the national team a lot, it's difficult for them to get a work permit in, in England. Um, or Wales, I should say. Um, so the probably the best example is Alfonso Davis at Bayern Munich. Unbelievable player came through the Vancouver system, and honestly, like that that this is what I'm talking about. There's I could give you ten more just like him. You know, it's happening. It's, MLS is really moving. Um, players are um, spending more time playing first team football than the likes of the Chelsea players who until recently were loaned out, loaned out, loaned out, loaned out. You know, they're playing first team football. They're made to be important and they're made that sink or swim happens really early. And uh, I, I think that's really important. And the homegrown aspect is going to be so crucial for the national team. United States famously never been great, never been a strong side, but the, um, the clubs now have to play those, so many homegrown players in every game and so they're bringing them through they're giving them a chance and it's only making them better and better and um yeah they they <laughs> they've played the game of the night and i think they scored nine goals or something great like you know they're they're going to be a, a bigger force in the next yeah. next few world cups and definitely definitely one to watch because they're producing some unbelievable players yeah i'm excited you already, you already see a lot the, the women's women's American team they won the last one they, they were amazing yeah. last one. so they're slowly like you say are cool. it makes it makes me want to watch MLS now <laughs> good that's the idea yeah the, the the female game is over there is a lot further ahead and um, in terms of experience and uh, I'm really excited for uh, the men to kind of catch up to that and I know it's completely the opposite way around here um i actually love watching women's football over here but there's a long way to go not in terms of talent in terms of everybody accepting it's a thing first of all um, yeah and and so yeah over there the the women's teams i've been to watch uh, orlando pride the orlando women's team they're treated exactly the same on the outside of the stadium two badges like equal everything's mm-hmm. equal they use the same same change rooms they use the same front office same people um directors every it's all one team it's all one club and and the academy as well and i think we're a long way from that over here and it's something that we really need to learn really need to learn from because you know equality in every aspect of life is is so important and you know the the women's world cup i think was absolutely brilliant to watch i loved it um and i know my my fiance really got into it and i'm really pleased that, that she got into it and um i think it inspired a lot of 
a lot of young girls as well, which is which is great. It's not all about um, you know taking your lad to football training at six years old. You know, let's get the get the girls involved as well. Exactly, yeah. Like I, I can yeah, see the massive difference, like from just from the UK, because the league where we're in, Sheffield FC Women, because I do the media for them. But we play foul and stuff. And like foul have like, like only a small ground, but they let the men's team let let, let, let the women's team play. Is that crazy yeah. to me? That's like you think they should sort of share that. Like, it's only a small ground, like, like with a sort of smaller team. So you thought they'd share out the ground, but even they they don't. It's crazy to me. Yeah, no, I think it's. In America, maybe it's different because the women are also bringing in a lot of money in, in sponsorship. Yeah. Um, so, so maybe maybe that is different. But um, you know, there's a huge deal with Nike. MLS uses Adidas, but there's a huge deal with Nike for the, for the women's league. Um, and the club shares the shirt sponsor with with both the men and the and the women. And yeah, there's certainly a real rounded, whole wholesome feel to it over there. And here, it kind of just feels a bit disjointed. Yeah. Um, but it's uh, it's uh, rightly or wrongly it's early days, so hopefully it's something that that we can we can get right eventually. Yeah. For sure. Uh, last question for me, and I see if Joe's got anything else to add. Um, what's your thoughts on Inter Miami? Oh, well, being an Orlando fan, uh, another team in Florida, not welcome. Uh, <laughs> however, David Beckham is going to be so crucial to to what we stand for and what we believe in um we saw a huge rise in in numbers not just on our podcast but um people watching games um a lot more um instead of just sky showing games uh free sports have started showing games as well just because of the beckham effect um so i'm very on a off the field you know i'm thrilled that there's a an English legend that owns an MLS team and is kind of standing up like we are and saying, no, this is good. Come and enjoy it. Um, I think that's really important. Um, guys, mate, as coach now as well, Phil Neville. So we'll see I'll how see that goes. Good appointment. Next week. <laughs> <laughs> but um, yeah, I, um, I, I think, I think the more the merrier. There's, there's a lot of teams in one league over there and, um, whether you think there should be relegation or promotion or, or, or not. Um, I understand the reasons that they, they don't have it. It's definitely a conversation for another time. Um, I, I think the more the merrier at the minute, because like we said, they're producing great players and the likes of David Beckham, Wayne Rooney, etc. When you see Jack Harrison doing great for Leeds, um, knowing that he came from New York. Um, yeah, I think there's definitely, at the minute we're in a, we're in a phase where it's it's hard to have a rivalry because the teams are new and there's you can't manufacture it for me. The league yeah. try to and I get why they do. Um, but it feels very sort of like WWE to me. Um, <laughs> whereas I think um, it will come. It will naturally happen as we know like how rivalry is born in, in football. But right now it's just about the likes of David Beckham having a team and that's massive over here. So it's great. Um, just yeah. actually found one more final question from me. Um, what, what are your thoughts on Phil Neville as a coach? Obviously, he did pretty well with England women, I thought. Yeah, look, I, I think he, I'm interested to see, I think this would be a really nice way of gauging his credentials because MLS is a tough league, um, not just because of the, um, the level of ability, but there's a lot of factors. Um, if anyone's into football manager, try doing a save with an MLS team. The rules are 
mad, absolutely mad. Um, so he's going to have a lot to get his head around. Obviously, David's had a year of it and he played for uh, LA Galaxy um, in 2007. So he's well aware of how it, how it all goes down. But for a new manager who's only worked in England, go over there. I actually yeah. really think there's a lot to get your head around before you even start picking a team because um, it's just so different. But uh, I'm I'm pleased for him again. Like I say, the more the more Brit crossover we have, the the, the better. Um, and I actually think they as a team could benefit from just stripping everything back. You know, sometimes tactically you can be wider the mark just from trying too much. You know, too much going on. Sometimes strip it all back. Bit of consistency. Um, I think that's definitely what what Miami needs because there was a, there was just a lot going on. <laughs> it's just a lot happening, and um, someone like Phil Neville is going to be very good at just getting the basics right. Even if he goes to a four four two, just to yeah. get you know get underway and um, just kind of play it simple, play it straight, um, and then and then take it from there. But yeah, I'm, I'm I'm pleased for him. Always always good to see an Englishman getting involved over there. Definitely think- bring, bring some more eyes. I think in MLN will be the team that breaks because obviously David Beckham, I'll have them connections with players. I mean, he's already got Gonzalo Higuain and Matuidi, so it'll, it'll just be a couple more, like, let's say like two more years and there'll be some other superstars over there. I think that'll be the state of the league for the English fans then, European. Yeah, I agree. Um, they do have rulings over how many sort of big players you can have. Uh, they call them designated players, so... Um, Nani is, is a designated player for Orlando. Higuain, of course, and, and Matuidi. Higuain struggled big time so far, which is bizarre to watch. Yeah. Um, couldn't hit a barn door. Um, same with Chicharito, who's playing at LA. You'd think he'd absolutely walk yeah. it. Really struggled. Yeah. Um, just, just can't score. Um, and so once you go all out on that, using one of your three designated player spots on, on a player like that, and then they're not performing... Yeah. You're, in, you're in trouble so um, you know that's why ultimately Miami didn't do well last year it's because those slots they're always going to be the superstar team because they've got that perception and the way that Miami is as a city even off the, off the field away from away from football um, they're always going to want those big stars you know they're talking about Messi it'll never happen <laughs> talking about Ronaldo it's not going to happen um, the money's not there but I yeah, I think you have to use those spots really, really wisely. Um, we've seen them go, like I touched on Lampard, Gerard. Weren't they weren't the right picks? They're right picks to sell names on jerseys, but um, you know, we've seen a lot of players go over there and just not really be able to make an impact. And I think that speaks volumes about the level. You come from the Premier League and try and play it in MLS, and you, and you can't do it. You know. I, I think actually it's that proves quite a lot in itself. Definitely. The only one I can think of is Latam after that. But again, like he's just built differently in it. So yeah. 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 Sure. Completely. Anything else, Dadja? No, that's it. Thank you. Well, Elliot, it's been an absolute pleasure. Really enjoyed this. Really enjoyed getting yeah. getting to know your journey and MS MLS UK show. I really want to know more about that. And uh, it's been an honor. I really thank you for your time. It's been fantastic. No, it's an uh, absolute pleasure. Um, uh, I hope it helps. If it helps one person, then, then I'm happy. So uh, thanks very much.